Hello and welcome to the Chinwag Podcast. My name is Rogan. Today I am only joined by one fellow Chinwagger, but I'm sure the quality will always be as good. Hello Solo, how are you doing mate? I'm good, and this week I'm going with a good evening Washington, the, sec- the second state in the USA where most of our listeners are from, so I okay. love you too. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Yeah, I've decided I'm going to just like, just every week I'm going to tick off another group. <laughs> yeah, please do. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Please um, shout out in the comments. Uh, tell us where you're from and we'll, we'll yeah, solo yeah. shout you out. Yeah. Wonderful. So we're doing a discussion today as it's just me and Solo. We've both got something we want to chat about. Um, a little bit later, we're going to be doing a spoiler review sort of discussion of the mandalorian i've only just got around to finishing it off um so i hope you have as well um (laughs) but if you haven't um you might not want to listen to that bit but stay for the first half um as solo we'll be talking about about the theaters and not the and that's not me just be for, for our friends in Washington. That's not just me being British about cinemas. I mean the real theaters. Um, because like yeah, the, like the reason I was thinking about this recently was because um, like when when we did the episode with Georgie, which is just just two episodes gone with the non-franchise fantasy films, mm. like off air a bit. Um, oh yeah, it was because it was because I was talking about Throne of Blood which is Japanese Macbeth. And we like we just kind of had like a brief chat about like, oh, you know, like the kind of state that theatres are in at the minute. Mm. And it's like, yeah, and so like the reason I wanted to just shout it some love and just kind of talk about the great things that, well, not only just that like theatre has produced throughout history, but like the situation it kind of is in at the minute. And like what it still has to contribute to like the future of entertainment mm. is good like it's a massive thing. And it's like Yeah, so where oh god, where do I even start with this? So um uh, Okay, yeah, so basically so this I mean I'm not sure if anyone's looked outside their window, but a lot of places are closed right now. And yeah. in Britain there's been like a like since i mean since the start of like the pandemic like theaters have been like they've been really like dude we need some fucking money here or we're going out of doors yeah and they and like they literally have been i think it's, if there's been any grants for the arts on the whole I haven't fucking heard about them. It's, it's, it, even if they have, they're, they're insulting in comparison. Yeah, fully. Like, literally, I like the the, the one that I've... Um, did I write down the name of it? Uh, that would... It would have been smart if I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, wait, hang on. Oh, yeah, so the British government, at long last, has put out a thing they've called the culture recovery fund and so they've put there's now like they've they've announced they're going to put 1.57 billion pounds towards like a bailout for 
some theaters. So this is so that's not even like. I mean, like I hate that it's called a recovery fund because that means like they're fully acknowledging they just let the industry die. Word, you know. Exactly. It's not even like uh, you know. It's not even they they don't even have the cheek to be like the bailout fund. Yeah, it's It's like well, we know you're fucked. (laughs) So a year a year after we a year after you were fucked. Here's here's the relief. Yeah, and it, is this relief alone, or is it a grant? Well, it's it's how it kind of well f- from like the the research I've done on it, it's it kind it's kind of functions as like a charity fund, like like a similar way to like how some of the other grants have worked. Or well, I mean, I don't know how the rest of the world is doing it, but in Britain, for example, it's like the places have to apply for it, then the government has to acknowledge and recognize that they're allowed to have X amount of this fund. Because this isn't like, oh. like I know like, you know, one point, well, it's, well, let's just call it one and a half billion pounds just for ease. Is a lot of, it, I mean, that's a lot of fucking money in like, mm. on paper. But when you're talking about one and a half billion pounds for the entire country of what is easily a multi-billion pound industry and this is the bailout fund that is a recovery fund even this is the this is the first major one they've done and it's not even costed to like like it's genuinely not even costed to cover uh i think they said it was like 40 percent of the theaters in the country i'd be surprised if they can do the four major cities Mm. Uh, probably being London, Birmingham, Manchester, and, and maybe Edinburgh. Uh, yeah, oh for sure. Or oh, Glasgow. Mm. Would Glasgow not have a higher population than Edinburgh? Um, I think in terms of like, I think like actual like population ahead, Glasgow has more people, but like. Edinburgh has more of the big theatres, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I wouldn't imagine that that would stretch to those. I know Manchester alone, growing up and doing a lot of theatre work in Manchester. There's four huge ones on a strip. Manchester's got its little bit of its own West West End kind of yeah, vibe, you know? Yeah, like the Lowry and shit. Well, yeah, the, I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking of the Lowry. I was thinking of like the Royal Exchange, um, and the, the names are slipping me at the minute. But like, mm. there's, there's plenty just there, which you probably require that amount of money, or at least, yeah. you know, a, a, a decent slice of that pie. Yeah, you, fully. Like, like the the fund alone isn't even enough to cover all of England. Never mind, like, the fact that, like, okay, even if they, even if they were, like, we're going to save England's theatre, it's like, okay, what happens to Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland then? Yeah. Like, which, as you say, kicked to the wayside. You can't, you you almost can't take theatre out of Edinburgh. Yeah. Like, Edinburgh Festival is like, it's, that's, that's culture. (laughs) Mm. It's like it's a it's, yeah the, like the like the fringe festival is like it's it's a 
it's it's a cultural landmark in Britain, and like and it it's like so many things, like like all the award winning shows that have come out of that. Like um, I I can't remember if her show the show that started Fleabag was actually called Fleabag, but um, this was Phoebe Waller Bridges one woman show that became like this award winning thing that then launched like she like that became a TV series. And like launched her whole career out of it. Actually, funnily enough, which will come full circle to what we're on about later, because Phoebe Waller-Bridge plays L three in Solo. And okay. yeah, and like so, yeah, her career like fucking launched out of this one woman show that she wrote, that became an award winning piece at the Fringe, and like it just became it became like a bit of a phenomenon, mm. and like right and rightfully so. But and yeah. it's like, and like actually, yeah. I I've got like a little. I've got like a little list of. I would, yeah. So there's like there's a list of, and so this is just from the. There's basically there's this famous theater, well theater company, as I think there's, technically two, like there's that you know do you know you know the old Vic, old Vic theater. I think so, but um, only by name. Yeah, like it's the one that's like, uh, like actually, funnily enough, um, in in two thousand eighteen, the old Vic in Bristol, I mean, sorry, Birmingham, um, celebrated two hundred years of it being open, and it's like wow. one of the most prestigious theatre companies globally. Never mind just in Britain. Oh yeah. And they have a, they have like a theater school, and so like as just a statement of some of the th- like what what literally just one theater company has given to the world, like mm-hmm. is it has produced Oscar, Golden Glo- like every conceivable wa- of like prestigious award for mm-hmm. cinema, TV, and theater has been won by people that have come out of this theater school and who have like started their career on the stage at the old Vic. Yeah. I think it's telling how deeply embedded theater is into Britain's culture. Just with you saying, um, wow, I've just lost my train of thought. My bad. Um, okay. So just with you saying the, the, the best in the world, never mind in Britain, if you're like the best theatre production company in Britain or amongst one of the top five, you are amongst one of the top ten in the world. Yeah. And, you know, the prestige is that deep. And that's because, like, theatre is part of our heritage. Like, it goes Literally. to the beginnings um, of this country. Like, you find theatre in the earliest forms of writing, um, you know, within mm. the Anglo-Saxon roots of this country. Um, yeah, 100%. Like the like yeah like the the like the Royal Shakespeare Company, and the Old Vic Theatre Troupe, are two of the most like renowned like globally renowned theatre companies mm. that there are. And you can uh, tell that by how many British people are in Hollywood. Yeah, word. I, like yeah. Funnily enough, that leads me back to this list quite well. So like just so tell tell me if any of these names sound familiar, and these yeah. are people that. Tw- that trained and started at the old Vic company. Okay. 
Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, uh, I think I might have seen him at an awards ceremony once or mm. twice. Yeah, I feel yeah, it, it rings a bell. And there, oh wait, actually, there's this other word, Jeremy Irons. Oh, okay, Al- yeah. Alfred. Hmm. Yeah, you know, Alfred Ozymandias, you know, Scar, King of our time. <laughs> yeah, Brian Blessed, another absolute gangster. Trust me. Um. Oh, actually, no. One, one, who she didn't start like actually she didn't train at the old Vic, but after leaving theatre school, her career started there. Dame Judi Dench. Oh, okay. Ring okay. any bells? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the absolute queen. Yeah, talk about British heritage. We're going to talk about Judi Dench. In it? Yeah, exactly. There's not a conversation without Judy up in there. Um, what were some of the other good ones? Hang on. Let me flick through the list I had. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right, Pete. Sorry, I, I always slip on, up on his name, but I, I guess he's not as um, comparatively famous. But you know, do you know Pete Prothelswite? Pr- yeah, that... bro, come on. Do you know where I'm from? Oh yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, the good point is a G. I might have seen every film he's in. Mm. Yeah, no, total gangster again. Yeah, yeah again, trained, performed Old Vic Theatre. Yeah, you look at British cinema from like the eighties to the two thousands, like he's there. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Um who's in Oh yeah, oh actually, yeah, one yeah, okay, so Mark Strong and a okay. gangster. Yeah. Um yeah. and like one who you no surprise that I adore, Patrick Stewart. Oh, Jean Luc himself. Yeah. Professor Xavier. Gangster. <laughs> Could easily be the father to Mark, Mark Strong. <laughs> I, I'd believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, so it's like that. I mean, yeah, like literally those are like, I don't even think I named 10. No. And like these are all, like between them have all won like Oscars, Golden Globes, Tonys, Emmys, like I, I yeah, I mean like you, you know I do, like you don't need to name how many wins each of them have because like no. the name alone ca- like each of those individual names carries such prestige in and of itself mm. in the global sphere of acting and these are these are people that started in the same theater in Birmingham and like that's what that's just one of these theaters that is yeah that is essentially getting fucked over right now. I always get scared that... And it shows how much faith I have in the government that, like, how they do their selection process, you know, often depends on who has shares in what Mm. um, theatre, which leads the... um, you know, theatre is opportunity. It's opportunity to see something live that will never be repeated again. It's also opportunity to perform, to have people see you. Yeah. And, you know, to open windows of opportunity is so essential. And we've closed so many of them off in a year. Um, that The thought that the small uh, independent theatres um, might, might not survive. 
yeah. it's a devastating thought um i know but like the ma- the mad shit with with it is is like it's like uh you have to think because it's not even like it's just <coughs> excuse me it's not even like it's just the, the like the theater as in like like you know what just using the old vic as an example it's not even like it's just the old Vic that is struggling. It's like you've got the, like the costume makers, like the meticulous oh, and incredible yeah. costumes that are put together for like sometimes for like a performance that will like it will literally be seen once. Like yeah. and like wig makers, like like these the kind of things that are like institute like even even just like the staff like you know like your your, your doorman like your, your front of house shit like they, they've kind of they've like been cut low like well to quote thanos they've been cut low like week before the scythe mm. and and like and i often think wonder that like how's the popcorn industry doing now cinemas have been closed like it's yeah, man. These minor side things that require an industry to be successful to profit. Trust me, man. Um, it's mad. Yeah, it's like oh yeah. There's so many. It's like the it's the it's the old uh, domino effect. It's like mm. the closing of one thing then means like all of these other smaller things get toppled by yeah. a result. It, it's driving me mad how the sort of saying that there's going to be a recession. There's like warning for us, and it's like, yeah, that's what happens when people don't work. Mm. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of and course. It's all... uh. we... Yeah. No. Sorry. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah, but I just, like, the other. Yeah, no, the other thing that annoys me is like, and actually, funnily enough, I let I only heard this. Actually, well, Coincidentally, this is the second episode in a row when I'm shouting out the Drunk Women Solving Crime podcast. But I was listening to an episode this morning and one of them was saying it's like the kind of... Because of the sort of egos and like like psychos that politics attracts, Mm. there's so many of these people that want that see themselves like see themselves or like would want to be these kind of artist things like and Boris Johnson is literally the prime example because it's like you know yeah. motherfucker had those two shit books they wrote which are like all failed critically because they were like horrifically racist and just and just and he, like on top of that were shit writing and it's the kind of thing where you're like you don't like you don't want your politicians to be making decisions out of ego because it's like oh god no it's like yeah because you either have to look at it's like okay why aren't the arts being supported is it one that these these conservative motherfuckers don't want to put the money into an industry that doesn't put money into their pockets and puts money into the country and the pockets of artists or is it that they've got such bruised egos about the fact that they can't do these things and they they either hate themselves for it or hate the artists for the fact that they can and are trying to spite them for the fact. 
Yeah, I think it's some kind of twisted combination of both where I genuinely believe that there's a large... I've read an article where 6% of the population uh, is somewhat narcissistic, which you think that might be small, but that's actually like overwhelmingly huge. Yeah. So like these individuals um, that are on that more severe narcissistic side let's let's call it two percent you know now they they are what we know are power driven people you know yeah. so where do those that two percent where do they go and i i think i'd like to believe and i do believe that in the lower levels of government people do it to make change and to make change happen but i don't think it stays that way when it gets to the higher levels mm. I think yeah. it's either people are good-hearted and they say, no, I've had enough of this, and they leave, or they're twisted. Um, and the, the and people the tr- who like the corruption, who like the dirty tricks. Because, uh, like, come on, politics is is dull at, yeah. the, at the best, you know. Even these people that are supposedly in it can't stay awake for a, for a full, you know, session. Yeah, literally. You know, it, I've seen and, enough and, and, fucking pictures of those cunts fucking... Well, I don't think I've ever said cunt before on this podcast, but, <laughs> you know, it's understandable given the topic. Yeah. But uh, you, you see so many pictures of them when it's like they're literally in parliaments in session and there's people just lying down on the fucking benches there. It's just... It's like the dis- they're disrespecting, like, this illusion of grandeur that like we're supposed to upheld and they're yeah. just blatantly disrespecting it yeah it's, it's fucked it's, up man. it's peak um and that motherfucker's getting paid for their naps like, <laughs> trust me like on, on money that we 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 joke about like mm. um so to to kind of turn this onto a, a lighter note with theaters do you do you have any like um, favorite memories from a theater or favorite shows or? Um... Yeah. Oh, I ch- fun- yeah. Funnily enough, one of the shows that like, like genu- genuinely, I would say this production changed my life at the time I watched it was um, it was this musical called Fella. And it's about it's the story of Fela Kui as as a musical. And like prior to prior to what like prior to seeing this, I had never even heard his name before, and like I, I like and I I am a big lover of like it it doesn't really come up on this show much just because we haven't done like a musicals episode or anything but like you know I I fucking love a good musical like actually I watched an I watched an American in Paris for the first time like a couple of days ago which was a fucking banger like I love a bit of Gene Kelly. Yeah, um, yeah, but anyway, anyways, but this fellow show, it's like, it was such a like beautiful display of like color, music, like these in like these brilliant like and like and also the story was like incredible because it's it's fella's life, and he was like, uh, he like fella was a, he's essentially essentially. Fella was a he was a revolutionary through the music he put out. Um, I don't I don't even know how to 
I don't know how I don't know what genre his music would come under, but it's like I'll, I mean for for, the, for lack of a better label, I'll just say it's like African jazz, and he was he lived like he he lived he's from Nigeria. He's dead now. Like his life kind of ends in tragedy, which again this musical covers, but like he through his music and his politics, he was like the. He was a, he was almost the voice of resistance against the post-colonial government in Nigeria, and like he took on like this corrupt regime, just like unashamedly as like you know we it's like he was just a pure voice of like freedom and what freedom means to the people, and like it was so fucking powerful, and the music was, was film, something else. The 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 show was literally just called Fella, like F E L A. And his yeah his he's Fella Kuti. Um, I ca- I can't remember his middle name, but like. You know, as an artist, he's just known as Fella Kuti. But my God, his his music is it's it's something else, and that show like was something yeah and like and when I say color, I don't mean like color is in black. I mean like the outfits and like the crazy fucking like visuals they put on it it blew my mind when i watched it and i think i was only like uh, i think i was like 13 so i was still kind of at that age when like you know when like someone's like oh we're going to the theater you're like the theater okay and then i went there i was just like this is the this is one of the best days of my life so far like to this day I still like like I still think about like I mean I still think about that show just because like it opened this door to like a whole new world of music for me yeah and just that alone like I can't help but remember that show fondly Mm. Mm. oh the first girlfriend (laughs) oh yeah what did you go see no, no. I um, I said it's like if, you know you always you always remember your early girlfriends oh, fondly. I think. Yeah, f- fully, fully. It is that same way. Although, actually, funnily enough, um, on like weirdly on like almost the exact polar opposite of like type of production, uh, the last thing I saw in the theater was uh, I want to say. March 2019 and me and my mum went up to Scotland for I think it was Vera's yeah my cousin Vera's first communion Uh, and so we just went up you know to support him Uh, and me my mum and my uncle like went for a stroll about Glasgow and there's this pub near where my uncle lives that does this deal I think it was Every, yeah, every Saturday, they have a deal which is a pint, a pie, and a play. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned yeah. this. Uh, uh, I think at the last one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, actually. Yeah, like to, um, it was. Yeah, like when I was saying, it, it was the off-air kind of thing that we like. We we chatted about it a bit. Oh, okay. And it was like, yeah, and it's just it was it started with like, w- like one. First of all, who doesn't hear that deal that it's like this already sounds like a bargain. And then you get there yeah, and they're yeah. like, all right, a tenner. And you're like, a tenner? And I've got a pint, like, that's that's the, you know, that's a pint and a pie on itself. 
and then I've got a play ticket. Yeah, yeah, I've got. <laughs> I've been to the theatre. A pint is not costing you less than four pound fifty, right? Mm. They rank up the prices on them drinks. Trust me. Oh yeah, that, that yeah, that was what made it like it was so fucking great. Like, cause it was just it was just so daft. Like, like the show. Like, I don't. It was like an underground. Um, I think fringe is what you're meant to call it. Uh, like it was like a fringe theater kind of thing. Okay. So it was yeah. like a, it was like a small show. Like a like I don't even I don't even remember the name of it. And yeah, it was literally just, they just had like a stage room downstairs. They just filled. There was like just tons of benches with like tables in front of it. It was like yeah, you get the veggie pie, the meat pie. Take your pint, take a seat. Curtains in ten minutes. Sweet. Yeah. <sighs> That's how I want classic my, time. Um, my football. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's how life should be. Like, like that's how sit. Like, but I mean, no cinema shouldn't be like that because then, like, you just get rowdy when, like, you're watching Cap pick up the fucking hammer for the first time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, I mean, I know. Me. Yeah, bro. I know. Like, I shouted like in that when that happened, and I wasn't even like hammered. I was just gassed. Yeah. So it's um, the fact that it, it had been teased in Ultron and then like paid off for it's just yeah. I mean Kevin Feige is on some next kind of mushrooms you know oh 100% 100% him and those Russo brothers they've, they've found the secret source trust me uh, yeah no but it's it's a good like yeah I mean just to kind of go back to what we were saying but it's like you know it, I'm glad that there is this like relief fund that there is but i'd say like if you want to kind of i'd say that like the best way to kind of support the theaters at the moment is is... open the doors oh yeah no yeah that 100 percent. like they they are like actually in some of the articles i was reading they are trying to like like the like um the producers are trying to like push the government like this this article i read was only on the 2nd of february um and they were like they're trying to encourage like some sort of like you know you you know we had that like eat out to help out kind of scheme oh yeah that one that then put us back into lockdown (laughs) Mm. like at least with a theater you 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 can't you can Close off seats and stuff, you know. You yeah. can make it manageable. But what you can't 100%. do in a restaurant. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's Especially the thing. like the pubs. Yeah, so exactly. Close the said... theatres the and not the pubs. That was, that was just hypocrisy. It was just stupid. Mm. Trust me. Like, it, yeah, I mean, it goes back, like, it goes back to what we were saying about the fucking dickheads in Westminster. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave them out of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, unless they'd like to say? come on the show. Yeah, unless they want to take us on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, God, that would oh, be oh yeah, so basically, the, the, there's like a the theatre producers are trying to like push the government to be like, look, you know, we can make this safe. Here's how we can make it safe. Now let mm. us open up the fucking doors, you bastards. Yeah, and. You know, well, I guess it's like, we still we're still too early to see how that debate's gonna go. But I, you know, my I, fuck, I hope it goes well. I swear they like hardly even closed the doors to the theaters like 
during World War Two when like bombs were dropping. Bro, you know? lit- literally um, when I, I when I was reading the old Vix history, one of the only times it closed is because it got partially destroyed in the Blitz. <laughs> like, and it was shut. It was shut for like just over a year. And yeah. that's like, and in that's its two hundred it year history, yeah, exactly. In its two hundred year well, history, it shut for the longest period of time because there was a world war going on, and it got bombed. Yeah, like, and it, oh, they just that's... literally had to rebuild it before they could open it. It's mad shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, hashtag save our theaters. Yeah, Although, up. like, I don't big think up. money's gonna do it. You, you have to allow the theaters to operate. They mm. have to, one way or another. They just have to. Yeah. No, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. So solo, I got round to watching Mandalorian finally. Yeah. So you know we love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Took my time with it. Um. But where where do we start with it? Do we? We start at the beginning. I think my, the, the the Ahsoka was a big moment. I knew I like I knew it was coming. I'd had the whole pretty much the season and spoiled mm. by the time I watched it. Um, I, I I thought Ahsoka was dope. Where where what did you think to Ahsoka? I know I know yeah. we spoke a little bit on message, but no no like I it's it's a weird one because like I thought did you like, like she was Clone great. Wars? Well, I'm see. I'm one of like the few people where it's like I just, I'm I'm quite ambivalent to her as a character. Like she's one of those ones where it's like, I just don't have any emotion towards her, be it like negative or positive. Mm. But it was like we're in, but in this um in the second season, her episode was the only one that I kind of thought was a bit weird because. It was the only one that felt like, like it, essentially, the episode felt like it was her story. Yeah, it, rather it, than it was Mando's. like a self-contained episode, like which they seemed to do more. I felt in the first season than the second, where the first season felt like a bunch of self-contained episodes, mm. and then the second season to me felt like there was a, you could tell there was a bigger story at play, yeah, um, and the episodes didn't necessarily start and end with like a capital letter and a full stop if if that makes sense no i get you i get you yeah whereas yeah that one was definitely the filler episode um mm. the one where if it was walking dead you'd have carol walking for 40 minutes do, do you ever watch walking dead no I, c- I couldn't get into it i can imagine you have been too smart to watch walking <laughs> dead <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, um, yeah, I, I thought they did uh, very well. I was worried about it. I wasn't necessarily a biggest fan in Clone Wars, but mm. after watching it back, because I like watched it in two periods of life, right? When you was younger, and I've, I've, I've watched it um, nowadays as mm. a, as an adult, whenever the kids let me put it on, and she, um, she's like a reflection of Anakin, right? She's she she's to Anakin what Anakin is to Obi Wan, and you, you can see that yeah. as a writer's tool. So to see that character mature in Rebels was uh was really cool, and I was like, oh oh, oh okay, I can see Ahsoka now. 
uh maybe tempted to buy the book although i haven't yet um yeah and then see her now i was like yeah okay she's badass the white lightsabers as well mm. just coming in in the dark just slaying yeah fools. no one of my favorite scenes in all of rebels is the scene between um just when she cuts vader across the face and they kind of have them like she looks back at him and sees his eyes through the mask Mm. And like you know, she has that bit where she's like, "I won't leave you, not this time." And like th- th- this, like that kind of moment that passes between them in that mm. show, I thought it was incredible. Like, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorite bits in in that entire series. And I love Rebels. Yeah, I I uh, um I had a love hate relationship with it for a lot of the beginning. Like the first maybe two mm. or three series, is I was like, you're kind of wasting time a bit here. Yeah, the first season was dead. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it it the like it started as like Aladdin. I felt you know like Ezra was like <laughs> yeah. this, uh, this Aladdin type character, but um, yeah, and I I loved how all the way through it he's played with the dark side as well. That's always mm. like eventually you know we're gonna see an Ezra. We're gonna see an aged Ezra, mm. and uh, you know, I'm looking it, forward. It, to it could be either way of the scale. I kind of hope we see an Ezra, uh, a Force user that's just like a kind of nomad, you know, like mm. neutral. And I feel like Ezra could be that. that see, character. I feel like a Ahsoka is kind of the close. Oh, yeah. she is the kind of the one, the the that's closest true. we have to it, because she is that like. I mean, she does have she, her whole mantra is that she's like she's not a Jedi, like even like even in the the Mando episode when he's like I've been searching for a Jedi, and I she, I don't think she says it, but I she can't is like see a dabbling in the dark side though. Her lightsabers mm, being true. white say that while she might not be a Jedi, she's mm. very much on one side of the Force. Yeah. Whereas I'd really I I'd, I'd be fascinated to see a character that like balance the two. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, did you, did you ever play the uh, Forced Unleashed games? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, um, Galen Merrick, Star Killer. Yeah, um, yeah. Sam Whitwer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, down fame. Big ups. <laughs> yeah, no, he yeah, because he is that he he kind of is that character because well, I mean, he starts on the dark side, and then he kind of has he kind of get gets brought around to the light and he and he does the dance with it that same way that Ezra does. Yeah. It's fascinating. Mm. Like um um is it called Dark Disciple? Did you ever read that one? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. that's a Quinn that's and Voss a great one. book. Yeah, yeah. Trust me. So good. Um uh, where um Asajj Ventress as well. It's one of my favorites, but uh, back to Mandalorian. So yeah, that's that. So that was my feelings with um, Ahsoka. I thought she was dope. In all honesty, I thought yeah, one hundred. Yeah, and the character fits as well. You can see her being the needy teenager, and then um, sort of being like the uh, a young woman um, in Rebels, and then just seeing her being a fucking badass. Um, and so, and speaking of badasses, Boba Fett, bro. What was your opinion on Boba Fett? Ah, uh, it was it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, like, he's such because it's like it's one of those ones where it's like 
because because I was a like because as a kid I grew up with legends. You know, I knew that Boba Fett was like he was the baddest motherfucker there was in the galaxy. Mm. But it's like if you if all you had was the films, you're kind of like, all right, this guy looks dope, but all right, he kind of like he he fired he 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 threatened to shoot Luke one time, and then blind Han Solo whacked him on the back, and then he fell in the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. But then we got him in this. Yeah. And this was proper right. shit. <laughs> I, you know, one of my best lines of him for this whole thing was like when he, he hit the, the the ship in the air. And then he was like, I was aiming for the other one. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he just took them both out. But he's so literal that mm. like, he, he'll be like, yeah, I still failed in my little task. Yeah. Yeah, no, Fett is great. And like, and I really liked the. Um, I thought the, like the dynamic between him and you know Din Djarin, the the main Mando. Yeah. I th- like they worked really well together. Like I I don't mean in like literal teamwork, but I mean like as types of characters, because it's like, you know, Din was very much the. He was very much the the samurai, in the way it's like you know he has the code. You know, he sticks to like he's he has the honor code and he follows it. Mm. Whereas Boba was very much the like he was the Ronin, where it was like, you know, we might have the same like you know, we might be the same like type of person on paper. Like we're both Mandalorians. We both like you know, we both wear the armor, we have the shit, like we have the moves. But Boba Boba follows his own he he's he follows his own code, yeah. like even like when like when we see him well, later with one still, yeah, like when we see him later with, um, uh, yeah, when we go to see Bo Katan and her gang, like you see that like he's literally like oh yeah like don't fuck with me like you know we don't need these fucking people's help like let's just like like you and me got this fuck these guys, mm. yeah and yeah. Bubba was a badass. Yeah. He also... How do you feel about him taking off the mask as much as he does? Because it, it's part it of his made character me a... evolution. That's... Yeah. Oh, wait. Do you mean Pedro Pascal? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Like, a hundred... I thought they did it so well. in the, Like, better... I mean, obviously, in the first season, we just had the one moment between him and IG-11. Yeah. But in this one, I thought it was because it's like the, how it works as a story device was. Mm. I mean, the second one was beautiful, in my opinion. But when he takes the helmet off, there were in, three, right? Because he had to do it at the machine and his face was scanned. Yeah. And then it was for Groku. Yeah. And obviously the first one was season one. So, okay, yeah. So the so the first one in this second season, when they do the you know when him and Mayfeld go into the yeah, Imperial yeah. base, like I thought that was I thought that was genius because yeah, that was literally I like, that like scene from start to end to to him getting shot. Mm, yeah, that was cool. Really yeah. well directed as well because the tension goes up and down and it's played with. It's quite. It's quite playful. Uh, yeah, like I, I remember at, at the time it came out, like, um, 
because this because that was literally that was the first episode to not have Grogu in it. Like he literally wasn't in it at all. Oh, and yeah. I think that that made the helmet moment more effective because this was literally like like the way I look at it when he did that is it was like that was like that episode was when we realized that he's made the decision that as much as the code like the Mandalorian creed has been his life this child means more to him now than anything has before because it's like he like you know like they have the conversation in the car when Mayfield's like is it can you take off your armor or is it just you can't show your face because those are two different things yeah and over the course of that episode we do see that it's like Mando he 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 has made the decision where he's like you're right the code doesn't matter the the child matters and Mm -hmm. Come hell, high water, or a fucking Mustafar lava tide, motherfucker's gonna rescue that child, <laughs> whatever the bloody cost. Yeah. And so it's like taking off his helmet, and when like you you can see the emotion on his face as he does it, and how like, and just like how his how he acts not wearing the. I mean, like really, it's a testimony to the skill of Pedro Pascal as an actor. Oh yeah, he's phenomenal. That he would, yeah, like he was able to commune so much, so much with literally saying almost no lines because yeah. you could see how like uncomfortable like this character felt essentially being naked in front of these people. Yeah. Because like he's not used to like just the idea of someone being able to see him regardless of the fact it has no like, there might not be much physical change on his behalf but like psychologically the bull in terms of like he's not even used to seeing the world like without the kind of visor thing mm. you know what i mean like so, yeah like, like that was that was one of the like the finer acting like i think it was actually um i didn't think about this until funnily enough uh, on one of john roker's shows he pointed okay. out and it's the way that uh, when when Pedro doesn't have the helmet on, he always turns to look directly at the thing he's like who he's talking to or the thing that in, that he's focusing on, because with the actual oh, like, visor, yeah, exactly. There's no periphery, so it's he's trained to look from point to point to point. Yeah, and like yeah, like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like Pedro Pascal's acting in that scene was phenomenal in how like all the subtleties he was able to convey what do you think of the the droids that kind of comes next oh. at least i'm calling them droids the what were they called like the black squad or something troopers. like that dark them troopers ones. that's it yeah yeah those were cutthroat yeah i um in in terms of the evolution of going like back to a droid army do you think that that's where this timeline is going to build to um and then some because it somehow got to come full circle to when we see the first order i know it's not exactly the empire but when we see the first order they're not using droids for Mm. troopers are they you know yeah no the way i no actually like funnily enough the the way i kind of look at that is because I think um, in the fin- I think it's in the finale episode 
um, Doctor Pershing. Uh, you know, you know the the cloner scientist. I I can't remember the actor's name. Annoyingly, but he has a line where he explains the reason. Uh, like like basically, it's like they kind of they changed um they made the dark troopers into droids instead of like exosuits to make them more efficient and more like fit for the purpose they were actually designed for. And I, I think, think it's that Doctor Pershing. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That's that's the cat. Yeah, it was that. Like I can't remember the uh, actor's name though. Oh, Which... um, Ahmed Abtahi. Ahmed Abtahi. Yeah. I I I, I right. think I've got that right. No, I th- I think you have. But yeah, yeah, like yeah. Anyway, like the way he um he talks about how it's about making it. It was to make it more efficient. I think, like, the, I look at that as, like, it's one of the kind of subtle nods to Thrawn being, like, because I, like, my, oh, my, that's my big, thing we need to yeah, discuss. my big game plan theory is that I think Gideon is, he, he was working for Thrawn, like, he was, he was a step below Thrawn on the ladder kind oh, of shit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole Gideon having the Darksaber. That felt like a thrown strategic move to me. Do you know, like, we'll give him the dark saber. It'll make him feel special. <laughs> He's like, rightful king of Mandalore, blah, blah, blah. You know, just knowing mm. really. And the whole scheme of it, that's a, it's a novelty piece, really, you know. Mm. Unless you're actually, like, a Mandalorian. You have no claim to the throw, throne of Mandalore, regardless of whether you've got the dark saber or not. It's like yeah. there's more involved to that throne than just the dark saber. Yeah, you have to hold it because it. Because well, if you remember in um, in Clone Wars, Maul is the the well, he's like the secret leader of Mandalore for a while. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. mad. Yeah. No, I. Uh, that's got to be later on in the series, hasn't it? Oh, have you not? Have you not uh, chained them all back to back yet? Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't rewatched them all. So you know what? It's just, it's, it's just dawned on me that I I never finished the series off because the last season oh. came out recently, didn't it? Yeah, it was only last year that seventh season came out. Yeah, and I'm yeah, gonna... and that is you know that's that's when Maul gets kicked off of Mandalore. Actually, funnily enough. Right. Yeah. So that's that's I need to I need to watch that. Mm. Oh uh, yeah, no, like that that last arc of the seventh season is, uh, it's it's like a movie. I, I can imagine because there's a reason you do it. You know, you there's a reason you not only pick a show back up but to finish it at the same time. You don't do that unless there's literally some burning desire. I imagine yeah. Dave Filoni had like a burning desire to just wrap it up. Um, mm. So it's got to it. be worth it. Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. Yeah, so we have Thrawn. Um, now, do you reckon there's an Emperor clone banking about? And it, I, I shudder in my spine to say such a thing, but like, th- there's now that infinite possibility that there are well, Emperor clones. My kind of... Well, they, well, actually, yeah, this is what I was kind of saying. Like, I have a sort of... Like, my kind of theory of what the sort of long game 
in regards to like a kind of setup to the first order kind of shit is is I think that Thrawn we like we're gonna kind of get a bit of an adaptation of the Legends arc that was he was introduced in, which was the heir to the Empire arc. Um, like we we touched on it a bit in the first episode this season, but basically, uh, and like I'll, I'll explain how I kind of think it ties in, which is that, well, for one, the actual time period the Mandalorian is set is the exact like it's the exact same time period as the heir to the Empire story. Oh my! Yeah, so cro- yeah, chronologically, we're actually in the same timeline as when Thrawn in Legends came back from the unknown regions to re to rebuild the Empire. But how I think it's going to tie together is that in that show, I mean, in those books, sorry, he has a project called the Mount Mount Tantis, what Tantis project. And that's his secret weapon is he's making a clone army. And I think they've kind of adapted that with Gid. I think like Gideon's kind of in charge of the canon version of that. Because you see in, what is it, the third or f- no fourth episode oh. of the second season that there's that kind of clone that's lab. that's why they want Grogu's blood? I think to... that's exactly why they want Grogu's blood. That it's like they they want to make like because I think that those were like Snoke's like early stage Snoke thingies that we saw in that fourth episode, and so I think it they're kind of like they're kind of taking that that concept from Legends of when okay so Thrawn's secret weapon was this clone army, what if we take that, shuffle some details, and instead of a clone army, he's working on the Snoke project and getting an, getting a clone for the emperor to work. And like, and so I think we're going to, we're going to see more of the kind of threads from air to the empire Mm. manifest in like the next, like, like an Ahsoka or the Rangers of the new Republic shows. Yeah. I definitely can see a connection between Groku and Snoke. Yeah. I think the Emperor one will be it'll be something different than Groku. It'll mm. be, I think the Emperor will have preserved himself somehow and though. Because there's there's talks of that with his master. His name's um, past me. Plagueis. Plagueis, yeah. There's talks where Plagueis could like Yeah, I think there himself. is a I don't remember what it's what I read it in. But I think like the that sorry, there's like a canon thing, like as part of the new Disney canon that is like apparently when Darth Vader threw him down that shaft, the Emperor's sent his like he sent his consciousness out of his body and like it flitted off to Exegol. And okay. that's so it's like I... his kind of spirit is active. Yeah, I've heard that. That's that's why I assume, like the how the Emperor's clones come about will be like a self-contained story. But I could see the the experiments on Groku leading to Snoke. Mm. Mm. That, yeah, that that's makes... that's what I think too. Yeah, fascinating. So, um, 
we may as well get to the 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 final part of the what I would consider like the biggest um uh, the biggest things that I immediately wanted to talk about and that's Luke you know and I will I'd say everything with Luke under a hood I thought was fucking dope yeah. uh when, when he lit the green lights now I I already knew it was Luke because like I said it had been spoiled so like I knew I knew the Jedi that Ahsoka was referring to was was Luke. Do you know what I mean? So it was it was kind um, of spoiled, and I would have loved to have known had I had an innocent mind, would I have known it was Luke? Because I don't even think I would be thinking of that possibility. Uh, so to like not not know, which it, it just serves me right. Like you've got to watch it when it comes out. You've got to get it done, or it's going to get spoiled. Mm. But when he lights that green lightsaber, I'm like, yes, because. Yeah, uh, right. I feel like we kind of lack the quality of like fight cinematography and, and choreography and that, that we can do today. The, the, the sequels kind of lack it. So we don't have like the footage of Luke just tearing apart literally what we saw, you know, yeah, uh, we, we, this is the first time we kind of got that. And I was like, this, this is so sick. And then he took his hood off and I was like, no, no, I I mean again I knew I knew the CGI was bad I was prepped for mm. it, but yeah no see that it's it's funny because like at because I watched it as they were coming out, like like li- actually like literally like I, I in my head I was like I had guesses of like oh what Jedi will come, and then it was like literally when like you see the X wing come in and there's like oh it's an X wing and then when Kara dudes like what one X wing. Like as soon as he said that, I was like, "No yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, way yeah, is this yeah. gonna happen?" Like I was yeah. literally like, "There's no way Luke is about to fucking come in here and slaughter all these dots." Yeah, that was another thing. The one X wing. That's the, I think that's the point where I. Uh, it wasn't seeing the X wing go past. It was the comment of one X wing. Yeah. Well, I know a motherfucker who's got one X wing. Trust me. Trust me. Like <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but with, with yeah, it was. Yeah, because actually, because even even though like when like when that was happening and like when I saw because it's it's Luke still was wearing his Return of the Jedi outfit, so I mean I rec like I recognize that because I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> but again, like when he threw the hood back, like I was ex- I was I was expecting it to be just a different actor, mm. and it was it was for me quite jarring because I mean oh. I guess I I don't know how well. But I don't think we've mentioned it many times on the podcast. But like, I all my all my skills like film craft wise are in like editing and post production. So I do like, I'm terrible for noticing all those super small details. Mm. So it's like as soon as he threw his head back, I was like, "That's no, this is tech." Like as like literally as soon as he did it, I went into like super over analysis mode, and like picked out all of the little problems right away. And I was just like, "Well, now I'm annoyed." I think a big a big thing as well is like this series a lot I mean obviously visual effects have been used but a lot of practical effects were used you know like there's there's mm. loads of different sort of puppetry models of Groku and stuff do you know what I mean and a lot of yeah. the aliens I'm calling them aliens yeah. there's so many creatures um, you know they're, they're like the built the built prosthetics oh. and stuff so for you to go from watching right. You know this built-in environment to ultimately uh, a digital face that's just like really uncanny. 
It just yeah, like you it, say, it's just it, it felt... was just really jarring. Exactly, and not, not only as like an effect, but also like tonally, you're kind of like, like because because it is literally like, I mean, they even said in the in the gallery thing for the first season part of what they wanted to do was to go back to these practical effects because mm. that was what like that was where a lot of the magic kind of came and like grogu is really the like i mean he symbolizes that magic because it's like that's that's just a puppet but mm. the, but so much emotion comes out of him like oh, you get so you're so invested with this kid and it's like what lit like uh, my dad's girlfriend was round with us one time, and we were rewatching the the episode where Grogu gets kidnapped, and at the end where like you know you see him in his little like mini handcuffs lying yeah, on the bench after thinking... he's just been stunned. Yeah, she was like, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah. like, like, like and that's a puppet. Well, yeah, and, when... and like she's not even watched the rest of this show. She's watched ten minutes, and she's already like, like, super empathetic for him. Yeah, when Gideon's like put the shackles on him, like, what do you mean shackles? <laughs> um, yeah, the show does it does it incredibly well, mm-hmm. but that's that is Star Wars because it's, you know, you have that amount of love for R two, in the eighties, and then, um, yeah, well, and then, I don't know, the prequels are a bit dodgy. <laughs> In terms of, I don't know who would be your equivalent, because your sequels like BB-8's got all the character. That's like BB-8's the guy for that. I don't know who it is for the prequels though. I guess it's just R two again. It is. I feel like four slightly diminishing returns. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, which which is unfortunate, but yeah, um, I love the I love Mandalorian. Um, mm. I love the first season. I love this season. I love what it's doing for the show. I was building out the show. I think um, John Favreau's um, an absolute master at the game. Yeah. Um, I do find it funny how like there's more um, MCU directors involved. So th- there's definitely an umbrella in, within True. Disney of like MCU and Star Wars working together. Which I think is sort of they're not necessarily copying the Feige model, but I think Feige is like, um, I think I think they're consulting with him, you know, because uh, I noticed that Peyton Reed was 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 a director in this one who mm. did uh, yeah, Spider Man films. Yeah, he did the second well the second episode this season and the finale episode. Okay. And then it's interesting to see Robert Rodriguez's name pop up as well. Obviously, yeah. not not necessarily of MCU fame, but just of fame, fame. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, following up to go, go, go and just to kind of go back to the magic of Grogu again. Like one of my favorite videos I ever like I've seen. Definitely all of last year was the video of Robert Rodriguez and Grogu, where it's like Rodriguez is playing his guitar. And whoever's doing the puppetry for Grogu has got like kind of vibing along with him. Oh, brilliant! And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's brilliant, and it's only like ten seconds. And again, you're like, you're like, hey, look at the little green dude vibing along with Rodriguez. But <laughs> he's like, like he's like not Groot. even real. What? Sorry, he's like Groot. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Groot's got Grogu's got, and 
giving him a name was mad. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got this like telepathic language through the force. Yeah, I loved. I loved that. Like that yeah, was one of my one of my favorite bits was that when Ahsoka and him are kind of having like like well when Ahsoka um, Din brings Grogu to Ahsoka and they kind of have the Jedi moment between the mm. two of them. I love how they bring. I love the philosophy of the Force. How it's like almost chi, you know, and like you have to be quiet to hear and stuff. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you. You yeah. hear, no, one hundred percent. It's the it's in silence that you hear the the boss, the things, and then the Jedi's follow that quite deeply. Um, yeah. No, I always find like spiritually, I always compare, like you know, Jediism or whatever one would call it to Buddhism, because like yeah, it always I... feels very much to me like it's there's. It's that kind of thing where it's like there's the Jedi teachings, much that there's the te- much the same way that there's the teachings of the Buddha, where it's like these are this is the one path to enlightenment, and like so you get taught the Jedi code or in our world Buddhism, um, but even but the like but part of the Buddhist philosophy is that this is the like these are the tools to enlightenment but everyone mm. has their path much the yeah. same way that like the jedi are like you know there's the jedi code but every like all the jedis all the jedi rather are individuals and it's like they all have a different thing like very like especially if um if you get a chance to check out the high republic books that have signed to come out like those are very much more like it's like a very much deeper into that side of it where it's like all of the jedi even have like a they even all perceive the force as a different thing like some of them perceive it as sound like some perceive it as like there's yeah like one guy visualizes it as like an endless ocean that he you know dips in and out of mm. one woman sees it as music and every different life form produces like a different sound and like all of these crazy things like i think one mm. like there's another jedi that's like oh it's a tree and you know the wind blows through like they all have these like really beautiful philosophies of this I'm kind sure of enlightenment yoda talks at one point as like it being like little flames you know i think it's in um the second prequel the attack of the clones Mm. And he talks about every every life being like a dancing flame, you know, moving in its unique way, uh, which yeah. like I fully believe in, and that's like what makes things like suicide so much harder to cope mm. with. That like we need your uniquely dancing little flame. Yeah, no, it reminds me like literally like one of the one of the only things I'll ever quote Elizabeth on, you know the queen herself <laughs> is she has this she had this beautiful line which is um how does she, uh we're we're like we're like leaves or you know we are no yeah we are all unique but we're also a part of something bigger so it's mm-hmm. like every 
person is a leaf on the tree of life. No okay. two leaves are the same. However, we're all a part of the tree. Yeah. yeah. I believe that you are both a, a drop in the ocean and the ocean itself. Mm. Mm. Within this holographic reality. Death. Yeah. Just, yeah, mind bending. I could go deep on that. But I think I think we might have run our course for this episode. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's a nice note to leave it on. I think. Yeah, um, really enjoyed just casually chatting today. Uh, no. We 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 seem to like get a bit of stress out over the the <laughs> the future of um, art. I guess in general, it, we're not just talking theatre here, really. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like the, it was just kind of like a case study for like art as a whole really yeah yeah because like if we're talking theater we're talking music venues as well but you know almost by default there. yeah um and then well, if we lose them too then we've oh we've we've lost oh we've almost lost culture mm. yeah you lose ex the ability to express oneself Mm, yeah, I would like. I I feel like if it got to that stage, I would dedicate the next like twenty years of my life just trying to open independent small theater things. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. no, one hundred percent. Although I'd worry that I'd get arrested for doing that in a post-COVID world, which is just mind-boggling to me. But yeah, uh, cool. Well, thank you very much for listening. Um, yeah. Let us know what you thought of Mandalorian, uh, whether you like, I mean, if you can defend, if anybody listening to this can actually defend the, the use of having a digital mask over Luke um, and it not recasting him with somebody like Seb Sebastian Stan, uh, which, you know, we've, we've made a comment on the use of directors. So why not share the cast a little bit? True. Because um, I'd be quite interested to know what Mark Hamill's comments are. You know, because mm. um, he, he, I, I, I do think that he's so passionate about Luke that he would want to do it. But I'd be intrigued to see now that he's seen the response, the audience response from it, which wasn't positive. What he's had to say, he's probably been told to keep his mouth shut for a while. But maybe in like six months' time, <laughs> he might start to talk about it. Cool. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah. If um, so, yeah. If you want to leave us a comment on that, what you thought of Luke, uh, that would be appreciated. And uh, if you do that, we'll we'll feed you in on the next one. Thank you very much. Until next time. Hello. It's Solo coming to you from the edit. So it occurs to me that we have yet to put on the end of any episode where you can find us on social media. And we are only on Instagram. And it's at chinwaggers25. So I will leave that with you there. And we look forward to reading your comments on the episode at long last. <laughs> and with that... Good morning.